Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. I'm your host, Heather E. Wilson, and on today's episode, I welcome Chris Jacks, founder of Nickel Nine Distillery, located in the heart of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And today, we are going to chat about how it all started, their philosophy on product development, of course, their gins, and so, so, so much more. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Heather. Hi. Well, as you probably realize, and because I did tell you, we start all episodes by sharing what we are drinking today. So, Chris, you get to go first. What are you drinking today? So, I'm sipping on a Southside. Ooh. Classic. Yeah. Yeah, great one. Just a little twist on a giblet, right, with a little mint in there. So, delicious. Oh, that does sound delicious. Well, I'm slightly similar, but I've been really craving summer in my garden now that we actually have a few flowers, you know, poking up. My crocuses are in full bloom, thank goodness. But today I am having a garden gimlet, which is actually one of your cocktail kits, right? Oh, you can find it right yeah. on the website, which will be in the show notes. And it's made with your Hidden Temple Gin, basil lemongrass syrup, super yummy, by the way, rosemary, black peppercorn bitters, and just a bit of fever tree soda water. And it's really a botanical garden in a glass. Yeah, really popular one for us. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Super delicious. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, (laughs) and cheers, by the way. Cheers. Let's talk about you, first of all. Did you, like, always love gin? Like, what possibly drew you to gin distilling? No, I definitely didn't always love gin. It was not one of the spirits that I came up on, if you will. Definitely probably more, one of the first ones I was introduced to was more rums. And it wasn't until I think I got a bit more into mixology and started having fun making cocktails that I started kind of realizing how fun it is to play with gin in a cocktail. And then especially in Ontario here, I think we were kind of limited in our exposure to the amazing world of gin. You know, it was pretty much London dry, live or die kind of thing when I was growing up. So as there was more availability of all the different kinds of gin and styles, it also became so much more interesting segment to play with and to kind of explore and learn about. Awesome. Okay. So then why start a gin distillery? <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't say we are a gin distillery by any means. I actually started making a vodka. I made Northern Temple vodka out of just Ontario apples mm. is how I started the whole thing. But then the natural progression, if you're making vodkas or if you're making anything, is to play around with gin. So I knew we wanted to do it. So that's where Hidden Temple Gin came from. We took our Northern Temple Vodka and turned that into the gin. So it is an apple-based spirit that we start with. And then, you know, like I said, there's so many different things you can play with and so many different ways you could go after doing what's more of a softer botanical forward gin expression in Hidden Temple. We wanted to do a more traditional London dry style. So that's where our TS gin came from. And then we do our seasonal ones. So we have small batch releases that we do that just allows us to kind of play with what's available to us during different times of the year. Or, you know, if if something just kind of looks interesting, we have the time, we'll play around and do some small batch releases. Oh, hmm. 
Okay. So then where did Nickel 9 name come from? So we were a few different names. Like as anybody who's trying to start a business or launch a product or anything comes to realize naming becomes one of the biggest projects and challenges because you think you come up with something that's so great and then you Google it and realize it is so great before other people have already named a business that. So we were a few different names and in the progression of coming up with the name, we were trying to be, you know, very encompassing of Canada and, you know, the roots and where we were made. And we kind of thought, well, what's more Canadian than the nickel? the actual five cent piece, right? We had the beaver as a really prominent figure logo. We actually had a label that was a five cent stamp and an old 13 sided nickel laid into the lid of the bottle. And then it was really cool branding and we were really excited about it. And then we sent it off to trademarking. And as you can imagine, they called, they didn't even email, they called within five minutes, like laughing almost being like, please tell me this is a joke. Do not spend any more money on this. You cannot use money as a brand like someone the mint owns that already that's something someone's already owns that (laughs) so so, yeah we're like yeah of course it was a joke (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so we were a little bit defeated and we went back to the table but during the process someone who was helping us kind of put all the branding together had sent me the little nickel logo from the periodic table. And they just kind of suggested that it would be a cool little tertiary ingot to use for marketing and promotion. You know, there might be something there. And when they said that, it kind of resonated with me because I always wanted our distillery to speak to the creativity that comes behind developing the spirits, but also creating the cocktails. Mm. So, you know, it spoke to me, the science behind it, the creativity behind it all, but it didn't really kind of mesh. We were like, okay, how can we go down this road? Like nickel, if anyone's listening that knows the periodic element, nickel's the 23rd, not the ninth, which some people who are very passionate about the periodic table uh, point out to me. Oh, no, sure they do. There's always oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, people are angry that I've taken liberties with their precious periodic table. So yeah, so it's like, well, nickel 23, like that doesn't quite you know work like are we elemental distillery well then we lose the nickel part of it and while we were looking at it we had kind of had our list of names on an excel sheet and this new one that we were trying to figure out was in the ninth row so we're like oh it's our ninth name so nickel nine and it kind of just started working like it's this is our ninth you know life our ninth rebirth if you will of who we are phonetically it sounds great so that's how we became nickel nine distillery Wow. And even in numerology, nine is like an epic number. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of funny, though, like about a month or two in, we were doing a tour and some people came up and they were like, well, why would you be named after a gun? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I guess nickel nine is also terminology for a nickel plated nine millimeter revolver. So (laughs) That's random, isn't it? Yeah. wouldn't know that. There's always a roadblock or a stumble somewhere. But yeah, I hope that our branding and what we do doesn't speak towards firearms too no, much. No, it definitely <laughs> I'd go more the science numerology route than that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome story. So, you know, not everyone has such interesting backstories on their naming convention. So there you go. That's awesome. You mentioned a little bit about a couple of your gins, but let's talk about kind of your philosophy on when you are thinking about or starting the process of creating a new expression, 
And even like when you decided, hey, we have this vodka, let's make it into a gin. Take us back to like a little bit of your thought <laughs> process, your creative process on, you know, how did you pick your botanicals? Well, the process always begins with what interests us. Like my whole background is hospitality, heavy in the bartending and bar menu development, cocktail creation. So kind of had a already existing, you know, interest and passion for certain areas that I knew I wanted to dive into at some point. And most of the people on my team have the same. So they also come to the table with something that interests them or, you know, just this is what I want to drink. So let's try making it. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So when you're starting from a place that it's already an interest to you, it really helps to make the product just really true to who we are, because it is, it's an expression of us and our interests. So it's a lot easier to stand behind it and talk about it as to why and what and how and all those kind of things. So it always starts with someone's interest. This is something we're interested in, something we want to try. And then it becomes a lot of research, obviously. We're very much inspired by food, as most people, I think think are like the connection is so close right and we're very much inspired by our surrounding area right and so what's available to us and what it is we actually live in and then also um we're pretty heavy into collaboration and connection so we get a lot of inspiration just through talking with our peers in all different industries in restaurants and bars in distilling in beer what are people doing what's cool What's something that another industry is doing that maybe we're not, that might be worth exploring, trying. So yeah, so that's kind of the process we go down. And then there's, you know, like in anything, there's probably six or seven things that we try that don't really go very far before we find some that, you know, start to make it all the way to the point where the public's getting to try it and we're getting people's opinion on it. Well, I love that it's based on your and your staff's interests and tastes and creativity rather than looking to the industry at large and seeing necessarily, ooh, what's the hottest trend or fad or whatever, because those expressions generally don't last versus the ones that are true, like heart-based, right? Personal-based, they tend to stay with the test of time kind of thing. So let's do a quick review again of your gins so that we can kind of pinpoint you don't have to tell me every botanical and everyone but maybe like <laughs> is that that's your secret yeah, but yeah, like sure. the key kind of flavor profile and for bot- sure the hidden temple gin was our first one and it was the product that really kind of grew our brand and the awareness of our distillery definitely really helped drive everything forward and hidden temple gin's a softer more botanical forward gin floral on the intake we have bergamot it's a grapefruit is like the first flavor profiles you get and then i vapor infused cedar and spruce into it so that when you're kind of finishing it you're left with that very foresty kind of gin flavor profile but it's much softer than the traditional like London dry, you know, piney flavor profile you get from those junipers. That's the hidden temple. And then the TS Gin 02, that's our more London dry offering. So it's done in a London dry style. You get a lot of that juniper. But since we kind of made it to be, you know, when we were designing it, we're like, let's make a a gin that's your gin and tonic gin. Mm, Yeah. So, right. So it's like if it's a gin and tonic gin, it's normally gin and tonic and a piece of the lime, right? So why not put a little citrus in it? So we've added a little citrus note to it. So you get some grapefruit, some lime leaf in there. So that's the O2. And that's been a really popular one too as well. It's kind of one of those ones we released 
but we kind of finished it, I guess, just before COVID hit. So got stopped in the tracks as far as branding and the proper release goes. So we're excited to see what that one can do. And those are the two core. We've got another really cool one that we do as a partnership. And it's kind of more of a winter. It's actually a maple espresso anise gin. Yeah, yeah. It was a project, again, like I said, in collaboration with Gubiati Spirits. We were kind of helping them develop a couple products, Mm -hmm. and they were doing a gin and an anise. And then as the product development kind of went down the road, they ended up coming together. You have a lot of flavors going on, but it actually works really well in terms of like the kind of flavor journey you go on. And it's a really cool way of bringing some of that juniper and that gin into the what would be more of a traditional anise like digestive liqueur. Wow. So that's definitely like more of a sipping. A hundred percent. Yeah. You wouldn't want to yeah. mix that with anything. <laughs> ruin yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it could go well kind of in in maybe your espresso martini style, something like that. But it works the best as just a sipper. Like I said, like a digestive sip. Amazing. Okay, so you have other stuff, other products besides gin. I know that. So let's talk a little bit about that. You have bitters, don't you? And other things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cocktail bitters, syrups. Yeah, so again, going back to kind of my background and where I came from in the mixology world, as I started releasing spirits, it just became natural to develop these cocktails as the way to showcase them, right? And the way to kind of put them out to the world. So as I was doing that, I would develop new bitters, new syrups to make these cocktails. And then it became one of those things where we'd go do a trade show or do a tasting and people would be like, okay, well, how do I make this? They're like, okay, this is how I made it. And then they're like, well, how do I get that syrup? How do I get that bitters? And like syrups are one thing. And some of them are easy and some of them are a little bit more complex. Like when I tell people how to make my maple butter syrup, they glaze over. And they're just like, (laughs) I'm not not doing that. (laughs) They're obviously not true fans because true fan will make any kind of syrup absolutely necessary. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you're not willing to take three days to make a syrup so you can have a cocktail. (laughs) How badly do you really want that cocktail? (laughs) So it just became like one of those things that you know natural progression especially from a business standpoint if i'm making something that people want why would i not put it in a bottle and sell it to them going back to that side of like the creativity and the mixology side we really do lean on you know showing people and educating people and letting people come in and learn at the distillery whether it's just you know just anyone that wants to come in and buy learn or we bring a lot of the bar and service teams in from partners that we work with like licensees bars and restaurants and we'll do you know just creative sessions so having all those other tools for them to play with it just adds to that whole aspect of what we do so you do tastings and tours and cocktail parties and things like that yeah yeah definitely okay so let's go back to talking about you as a distiller and I've talked to a lot of distillers over the years, and everyone kind of has their own take on what their biggest challenge is. So for you right now, we're not talking COVID or years ago, right now, what would you say is your biggest challenge as a distiller in the market you are in? 
wow, we've come out of COVID times, but there's still definitely a lot of things that have not come back to correct themselves yet in the whole supply chain. So there still is a major issue in that, in just securing products. Like now redundancies is just super crucial. Like having just one source of any given product or packaging or ingredient, you're just running such a risk of being out of it. Or, you know, we have that thing where we'll turn around from order to order and a price is increased 40 50 even a hundred percent it's just almost impossible to kind of plan it for that when it happens just so immediately so supply chain is still definitely a very real real issue and then i think a big one for distilling is still the awareness of it who is craft who's local what's being made versus just what's being bought and just you know what a craft distiller is like i still come up against that question all the time or the first question when people hear i have a distillery they ask you know what kind of beer do you make like it's still just such a brewery people (laughs) right and people just don't really understand that there is craft distilling going on and who it is that's doing it so i think it's getting better and the word's getting out there a little bit more so when people start to understand like who's actually producing in their neighborhood and kind of the value we bring to the community as a business and in everything we do I think that'll really help the industry flourish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still a big education piece, right? All across the board, for sure. I mean, that's one of the big things why I have this podcast is to help people understand what craft distilling is, the stories behind, you know, distilleries such as yourself and just what's possible and what's really out there. Like, it's such an amazing industry and we just need to get the word out even more. That's it. And we appreciate you for it. Thank you. So what's next? Like what's next for you in the distillery? Anything cool and fun coming up this summer? The big one that we're rolling out now is kind of our modifier lineup. So again, that idea of, you know, wanting to have the full package for cocktails and mixology, we want to have the liqueurs and stuff as well. So right now we have an orange liqueur, a cherry liqueur, a coffee liqueur, an Amaro and a Lemoncello. They're all just kind of finalizing. So again, that'll just add into that cocktail package and what we can do on site to just show people, you know, how to make a great cocktail at home because we'll have that many more tools to play with. So that's a big one. And then last year coming out of the lockdowns, we didn't really have a ton of time to do any new product. So we're going to finalize a few things that have kind of been in the works for a bit, a few new syrups, a few lines of bitters. So that'll be the big ones for the product. And then we're doing a lot more of on-site events and things, offerings just to make it more fun for people to come to the distillery itself and check it out and see what we're up to. Oh, and more cocktail kits then because you have all the fixings that's it exactly okay yeah the cocktail kit program is just going to keep growing and growing from that as the products grow out too it's catching on so much and through the classes and everything so that one will keep developing as well awesome sounds great you'll be having a cocktail kit of the month club or something like that (laughs) that's it exactly (laughs) wow man that'd be awesome (laughs) yeah yeah for sure (laughs) 
Okay, so we've come to the point where it's all about the Jinsidin story. And I know okay. you didn't forget about that. No, so I've got a few Jinsidents. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of the ones that the listeners would most find. <laughs> find like the funniest one, usually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, there's one that I always that I always kind of think is funny because one of the most common things is when people hear that I have a distillery or they come and visit, they see it. Everyone's just like, oh, this is the best. You just try gins all day and you make booze and you hang out you know you're like completely disregarding any of the hardships that come along with, <laughs> no with starting a business in any way so when we developed hidden temple it took us over a year to get that product finalized and we did it all as single distillates so we distilled each botanical individually and we ended up doing a lot of them we ended up with about 43 different single distillates i think and then blended from there wow. and then once we blended yeah i came up with our recipe of our final nine botanicals mm -hmm. then we figured out the best way to distill them to have our final product but in that blending process of the distilling you know we'd come again okay let's distill these ones let's try that let's blend this and yeah. after months and months we were coming to the distillery and we'd show up and almost like be angry because it was like you were mad that you had to come in and drink gin again <laughs> i could see that you know so it's like it wasn't working so you know as much as people think it must be amazing but to do the same thing every single day wears on you so we hit that point where after a while we're like we just can't do it anymore so we took where we were at we went to market research with it started bringing in other people that again thought it was amazing that they got to come in and try a bunch of stuff in the r d stage so that was a really cool part of the development process and and uh, just a fun part and always something I remember whenever someone comes in and says, oh, it must just be so fun to be a distiller all the time. So, yeah. Well, and then too another... much of anything. Well, that's that. Right? Yeah. Like too much chocolate and you're like, you know. For sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it is possible to have too much gin for sure. So you need yeah. to give your palate a break, you know. That's it. Yeah. Have some limoncello instead or yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so anything else you'd like to share about anything before we close off? No, just that's it. The awareness. Get out there, take a quick look and see, you know, who's distilling, who's actually making their stuff close by. Uh, there's some really cool things happening within the circles of your local distillers. There's always cool events. There's always cool products. It's definitely worth checking it out. Absolutely. Especially now that we're moving into summer-ish season when you can get out and travel and go visit distilleries, have some tours, have some tastings, you know. Do some, yep. get out and about and learn about your neighborhoods for sure. That's it. That's it. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Everything you ever want to know about Nickel Nine Distillery, their product development philosophy, all their super yummy products, why you should be experimenting with bitters, and so, so much more. Thank you, Chris, for being here today. Thanks, Heather. And thank you for listening. Be sure to leave us a review and check out the show notes for links to Nickel 9 Distillery and the theginshop.ca for all your gin clothing and novelty needs. Until next time, remember, good friends offer advice, but real friends bring gin. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review. Or drop us a note at heather at theginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin.